you'd see the farmers walking into the restaurant, often with customers in there with, with a pig over their shoulder. I used to just love it. I used to find it so exciting when you'd get to speak to the farmers. It was often the farmers that would be delivering it and you get to talk to them, you'd find out more about it and you'd also get this beautiful animal that's coming in and, and then you'd have to figure out what to do with this and what to use first and, and I still have that excitement now. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The Bacon Sandwich. Some say it's the very best remedy for a hangover, while others suggest it is the ultimate guilty pleasure breakfast that can change your day. When Chef Ben Sinfield was knee-deep in mud selling bacon sandwiches at a music festival, little did he know it would change his life and lead to discovering the art of nose-to-tail cookery at St John and opening a Vietnamese eatery down under. So Ben, you're making a name for yourself at Barnsio. But one thing that's really getting people's attention is the 750 gram Berkshire pork T-bone that you're serving. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been getting a bit of um, bit of airtime. That, that we, we, we've been calling it pork stecker just because it's it's a bit like uh, when people have the the Italians the the the, the buy stecker. The beef T-bones. Um, well, it all comes from. Uh, I've started buying whole pigs off uh, Frank and Anne Marie at Toluca Park Farm, um, and then uh, just being able to. But by by having the the, the whole animal of uh, and being able to use use the entire thing. It's um, the size of the pigs that I get. I, I get about six T-bones off them, so they're always limited quantity. Um, but just started putting on as a special for special for dinners, uh, dinner services. We only do two dinners in, a week, just Friday and Saturday. So uh, I always try and put a few specials on, um, and they're often pork uh, pork centric specials because <laughs> we're always getting the, uh, the the beautiful beautiful pigs from from Frank and Anne Marie. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's just a, you know amazing produce, and uh, I, I do very little to it really. How, how are you serving it? We uh, well, I, 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 I roast the um, so I, I butcher the pig and then uh, we, we first of all we, we age the pig so the the, the pig gets aged uh, as a whole whole carcass for two weeks and then uh, we get it in Frank does that for us now and uh, we get it in and I, I cut it up into into joints some of it gets brined some of it gets cured uh, and then other 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 joints will get aged on the bone um and the rack is one of those and um yeah and then we we i'll, I'll just uh I'll, I'll roast it to order so the skin is beautiful and dry and uh and that's uh and then crisp it up in the pan roast it in the oven so we keep it rose on the bone um yeah and then carve it up uh, i make a little sauce in the pan with some pork stock i've, I've got some pork stock which is just never gone out of use. It's just a bit of a master stock, and um, I'll just deglaze the pan with some pork stock, and some. Then, then once that reduces, a little bit of cream, and uh, we've got this beautiful condiment, which uh, lem lemongrass chili, um, which Tanya's mum makes. Tanya's my uh, my wife to be, my business partner, and and we put that in the sauce, and it, it's uh, just serve it over the steak. Um, yeah, it's delicious. Well, your your establishment is a pretty low average spend and yet 
you're doing something which isn't quite as normal as it once used to be in kitchens in getting a whole animal in. But that stems from from your past. You've got a pretty rich uh, history with different restaurants, and one of them is St. John. Can you tell us about your experiences there? Yeah, I um, I owe so much to St. John. It's uh, um, it changed my life as a chef um, and a person as well. I think the um, I think uh, I was I'm terrible with dates, but it, it was probably around 2008 or 2009 when I when I started at St. John. Um, I just got back from New York. I've been working over there, um, and uh, and I I was I was <laughs> I was working at Glastonbury Music Festival. Just sort of I was I was making bacon sandwiches, bacon <laughs> bacon bacon egg sandwiches, and. Um, the, uh, it was for this guide. I'd done it once before, like I think the year before, um, and I'd, I'd have to I'd have to wake up at six in the morning and then make bacon egg sandwiches, and then I'd be free from twelve noon onwards to go enjoy the festival. I'd often wake up with my feet dangling out the tents, and then uh, and then have to go <laughs> <laughs> get covered in grease, um, cooking on the hot plate. But 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 next door to our tent where we were serving the uh, bacon egg sandwiches was they were kind of doing this fine what well, sort of fine dining restaurant in Glastonbury in the Shangri-La section and uh, the chef that was in charge of it was Chris Gillard and he's the um, well he was the head chef of St John's St John's St John the original one um, I think he was head chef there for about 15 years and um I I already knew about St John. Uh, we had celebrated my dad's fiftieth birthday there, and um, it was his favourite restaurant, and and I loved it. And all the chefs would talk about it, and so I, I just latched onto Chris. And um, I was without a job at the time, um, and then so as soon as Glastonbury Music Festival finished that year, I um, I went straight over to St John and and did a did a trial shift there, and that's kind of how that. Um, episode of my my career or my life uh, started, um, but and and I did get offered the job at St John, but the next week I'd organised a trial at St John Bread and Wine because at, at the time uh, they just had the two sites those two, and um, St John Bread and Wine kind of um, I don't know it just appealed to me a little bit more there was like more, slightly more say so well slightly more. Um, free uh and sort of younger team there was uh, the the like the, there's a lot of rules that comes along with restaurants of that caliber and sort of institutions um and and st john bread and wine just just came across more as like the sort of younger younger sibling of, of the other which it was um and um i ended up choosing st john bread and wine like well luckily i got a job there and and um and then i ended up staying there for about four, four, four or five years or so i think um and I loved every minute. <laughs> it was it was um, it was such a special time. It was um, you know I, I, well well first of all I, mean, I ended up meeting meeting Tanya there. She was she was a waitress. I, I met her about two years in while I was there, and um, she was like many Aussies in London. She was there just um, on her two year visa, uh, working holiday visa or whatever it is, um, and. I don't even think she even knew about St John's. She was just walking down Commercial Street, handing out her CV, and she just stumbled stumbled across it. And wow, 
what an amazing restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> the, the manager at the time took um, took a liking to her and, and uh, offered her a job on the floor and um, and she just slotted into the team really well and, and yeah and and so that's it was kind of classic chef chef meets waitress um, scenario, but. Um, And and in terms of like um, sort of food, I mean, I'd already been working as a chef for I don't know for like four four, four years or, or five years as full time, um, and in some amazing places. But um, there was just something something about St John that just like really clicked, really clicked with me. Um, I think it was maybe uh, it could have been the. the the quirkiness, like the 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 Britishness, if that's a word, and it's just so simple as well. It's just like the, the sort of the confidence of um, just serving, just whether it be just a whole grilled mackerel that had been you know delivered from the dayboat fishermen that they used to use, and just served with a pile of pickled red cabbage. It was just, you know it was just it it, it was just unashamedly simple and not hiding from anything or trying to be anything that it wasn't um and it, it was it, it it was and it still is a lot of people's favorite restaurant uh, it's definitely mine um and, and 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 at the time it was just um us at st john bread and wine we felt it it, it, it was amazing we would be a lot of people's a lot of chefs favorite restaurant to go to it's just it was um it was brilliant. It was it was it life life changing experience for me, and I, I probably would have stayed there a lot longer. But because Tanya's Tanya's visa ran out, and we'd been seeing each other for about a year and a half at the time, um, I had to make the decision whether um, what to do, and I I decided to follow her over to Australia. I'd no, I'd never never been to Australia before, so it was it was a bit, it was a bit of a move for me. But um, haven't looked back any since. <laughs> you know, I haven't looked back since. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing, amazing time. What's some of the kitchen skills and the approach to that nose to tail cooking did you take forward into into what you're doing now? Learned from those days? Absolutely, no, so much of um, so much of my um, my cooking now and the way I look at things um, has been influenced from my my time at St John. Um, and the people I work with there, it's it. Tanya and I often talk about it. We we, we felt like we were um, when we were the, when we were working there. It's kind of like a golden era uh, um, at time there. We, we work with some amazing people that have gone on and uh, done such great things, um, like made lifelong friends, and it's it's just been fantastic. It was it was it was um, uh, it was really special. Uh, Quite a few Aussies used to come through there, actually, and uh, um, but yeah, it was it was it was it it, it was um, it was a great time. Um, yeah. You said you'd never been to Australia, and you took a chance because Tanya needed to return home. What's what's it been like um, joining a culinary scene that you'd never been in before? Um, you've worked at some notable restaurants. What, what's it been like as applying your trade in Australia? Yeah, uh, well, I arrived. Um, I arrived in late 2013, um, and 
I mean, the, f the first thing I did, I think, when I got here was because uh, I, I did I didn't know um, of a few restaurants in Sydney, but um, uh, but you know, I had I had a rough idea, but but not much. So uh, I knew Ben Greeno from from St John days. He used to hang around a lot when uh, James Lowe was still the head chef, and they started um, during that time. They started doing these pop-ups called where the, called the Young Turks. Him, uh, Greeno, uh, James Lowe, and Isaac McHale from the Clove Club. And James Lowe was the head chef of St John Bread and Wine at the time, and when they first did their um, Young Turks pop-ups, James took me along as like his little helper, um, and Ben would always be floating around. So, so, I, so I knew I knew Ben uh, from back then. So the fir first thing I did was just go and go and see him at Mamafuku and just ask him where should I work, <laughs> um, you know, and and just for, for just for some advice. And uh, and um, he, he he we we sat and chat, had coffee for a bit, and and and. Um, I came away with a list of places and, and people to go see. So then um, I think it was the rest of that day or the next day, I, I just um, got out and about and started, uh, went, went to visit these restaurants. Um, and and then I also, uh, an, another connection from St. John was uh, was Joel Humphreys, who um, he was, he was, he was uh, with along with Nick Wong. They were running the kitchen at Bodega before he came to uh, to London, and and now he's doing great things up in Newcastle. I just opened up Lost Boys Kebabs, and he um, and he was good friends with Matt Lindsay at Esther and Nick Wong, who was the uh, the opening sous chef. And uh, so I think uh, I spent a day with him. Kind of, we went to Bodega for lunch and. Uh, had a few beers. Went to he took me to Gordon's Bay. I think he did, and then, and then we went to went to um, Esther for dinner. Introduced me to Matt, um, and then I think after that dinner, I arranged a trial there. Uh, yeah, and then ended up working there for a bit for for about a year or so. In in, in the first year, first year that it opened, it's uh, Nick Nick Wong ended up going to open up Cho Cho Sun, and then I moved into his position as sous chef uh, when when he moved on. Matt's a sort of chef that doesn't seek the limelight, and yet Esther is so influential. But on in the last couple of years of our culinary history, what's what's it like in the Esther kitchen? It was, well, it was, I think it's a very different place. Um, I mean, I can't speak what it's like now, but it's it's, it's very. I, I imagine it's a very different place now than to what it was uh, six years ago when I was there. Um, it was. Um, I mean, it's, it's grown so much since then. It was it was already doing amazing things when I was there, but like now it's now it's you know it's, it's one of if not the best in the country. But that's what a lot of people a lot of people's opinion. The um, and it it, it was um, it it was a small and tight kitchen there. I think Matt was Matt was on the section every, every day, and I would um, I'd I'd be on the wood fire, and then there was Ollie and Izzy at the back, and um, and that was pretty much it. It was just like the four of us, um, with one or two other people that came and went in 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 times. And it was um, it was it was a pretty exciting time. Um, and then uh, while I was there, uh, Esther got awarded two hats, and um, and then you could almost almost feel that sort of it that the atmosphere for for a little period anyway. It definitely changed in the restaurants after getting the two hats. It was. Um, um, but uh, it, 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 was, it was an incredible kitchen uh, and everyone, 
there's nowhere to hide in that kitchen because everyone's working around that central central um, central bench and uh, so it's a very small place and um, it was great fun making bacon and egg sandwiches to butchering whole pigs in St John is a pretty big step <laughs> but how, how did you get started in the industry well uh, I thought I think it made me put like like many chefs after listening to your deep in the weeds podcast he here he, lots of chefs saying they don't have the the sort of romantic story that that many expect and I think I'm quite the same really the um I think it stems from um I was, I was probably a little scamp at school when I was a teenager and I didn't didn't do very well in exams and sort of left myself with not many options when it came to the the later part of my teens um sort of you know university was out the question and and sort of when I was about 17 or so sort of start, starting to panic a little bit about what I was going to do um I'd, I'd always had an interest in food that the the family I came from that they um food was always a big part that the you know that we would always always um always have lovely Sunday roasts and um and mum mum makes an amazing fish pie and 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 summer pudding or like very simple simple sort of british food um i think is probably the best way to describe it they they, they always had amazing cookbooks on the on the on the kitchen shelves things like um you know elizabeth david and jane grigson and simon hopkinson and elizabeth luard authors like that and and the the food would always be quite saying simple too much but 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 it, it was that's that's how it was it would be you know it, it just like boiled ham potatoes and broad beans and parsley sauce and uh, yeah, things like that it, it's um uh yeah so it, it almost quite st john-esque in a way really is is is, is their style and um yeah it, it was just, just really um uh lovely sort of homely comforting nourishing food uh is what i think what i grew up on and 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 going into then into, into my teens uh, i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do um i didn't leave myself with many options with the with, with the grades i got from the exams and and stuff so um and then i i think it was my mum i th- i think she pushed me to enrolling she maybe she'd seen it somewhere but um enrolling in uh this diploma chef uh course at westminster kingsway college uh which is in the heart of london and um like all kind of people like jamie oliver went there and um the people from ready steady cook like ainsley harriet and anthony Warrell thompson and, and and people like that the um and uh i started there and um yeah, I, well, I wouldn't really say I completely took to it straight away, because um, it, it was it was kind of like joining a new school. You can can you know you're making friends, and I wasn't really the the keenest of the students. I wasn't the the student that was applying for all the competitions and and things like that. Um, but I I think I've always been quite practically minded, and and I like making things with my hands, and um, I find it inspiring. You know, I, I did, I, I did, and I still do. When you can put your mind to something, and and you, um, 
you know, you come out and you, you, you create something really beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it all started from there, really. And, and I didn't actually finish my course. It, it was three year, three year full time uh, course. But um, by the end of the second year, I mean, I think the third year was a waste of time anyway, because you just like you, you get given one of those big, long chef hats, the tokes, and you just spend your time bossing around the second and first years and it's it's a bit ridiculous um <laughs> but, uh, but uh so i ended up missing out on the third year because I, I think it was my godfather john john de bono he, he he got me an interview with uh gordon ramsay holdings um and so i i, I got blinded by the bright lights of gordon ramsay and i i went went and um went and applied for uh for a job there and, and, and went to their head office and, and did, in, did an interview and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, so, I was so green at the time. I, I had, um, I had no full-time experience as, as a worker, but lots of sort of, you, you know, um, casual jobs that I'd done through college and, 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 um, as a late teenager, but, uh, no, nothing, nothing full-time and nothing. <laughs> I ended up getting a job at Gordon Ramsay at Claridge's. That was my first full-time job. And, um, wow. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like one of the old sort of just, um, obviously it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Um, Mark Sargent was the, uh, executive chef and it was, it was a big brigade of chefs. I, I forget how many now there's, um, but it was um, it was like one of the old, really, really sort of old school uh, London kitchens. Um, and I, I, I remember <laughs> I remember turning up for my first day, and it's so embarrassing. I'd like I, I had um, the only chef jackets I had was uh, my college ones, and so it had like the college logo and it had my name on it. So that was just like it was like suicide walking in there straight away. It's just. It's, it, <laughs> Like, like a lamb to the wolves they, they, they just jumped on me straight away it's like who the f- do you think you are you know it's just, it's just that, that um, like, <laughs> you've got your name on your jacket do you think you're the executive chef and it's just like oh god so uh, and um, and also actually looking back in it one of the first times I walked into that kitchen I walked in and there was there was um, there was a man on the floor. He was working on, he would have been on the garnish section just from judging where he was on the floor, huddled up in the feet, in, in, uh, in, in crying. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Like I, I had no idea what I was walking into there. Um, and it was, it was definitely, um, it, it was definitely, it was definitely, I definitely got thrown in the deep end in terms of like the first job. Cause it was, it was, uh, I, I don't think I was, uh, well, I definitely wasn't, uh, ready for it in terms of my skill set and knowledge and just like thing I had to uh, learn very quickly on the job there and um, it was it was very much a sink or swim uh, kitchen for sure well for a boy that grew up eating classic Brit cuisine and also cooking it in some notable restaurants uh, did you ever imagine you'd end up cooking Vietnamese food in Australia no no <laughs> I I, to, I I I do have a good laugh sometimes because it's um, it's funny the direction life takes you in sometimes. Um, no, that 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 was not planned, um, and it wasn't something that <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't something um, that uh, you you know we, we we set out to do. We we were 
um, at the time of uh, sort of the, the the early stages of us starting the business, it was um, I think we were living in uh, in a small flat in Bondi at the time, and I was I was working at Fred's in Paddington. Uh, I was Daniel's sous chef there, opening sous chef, and um, the um, yeah, well, I think we 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 just um, we got to a stage and we we we. we just we we did want to we wanted to either maybe I don't know maybe maybe invest in um, some property like a unit or something uh, if we we had a deposit or maybe we could start something of our, our own in terms of a business we're quite eager to um, you know to to um, change our life a little bit and um, we. Uh, we were flirting with lots of ideas. We 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 we, we wanted to. Um, I mean, we know that starting a restaurant costs a huge amount of money, and um, it can put you in. Um, you know, things don't work out. It, it can be like a really high risk, high risk situation financially and 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 mentally. The um, so we were very conscious of that, and and we wanted to look at ideas where we could start a business. Um, fairly cheaply and uh just something which is like you know, low risk and so we we started thinking about a market stall um a food market stall and um we we, we were thinking of different ideas it, you know the the best back to bacon sandwiches again the the best possible bacon sandwich or um i can't remember what else now we had but there, there was one evening it was a sunny evening and we we're at home and uh tanya used to cook uh, ben Sel for, for for me at, at home. She used to make it in like little pans, and we we have a small round table, and the light was pouring through the window, and it just everything looked so beautiful on the on the on the table. There was lots of fresh lettuce and herbs and dipping sauce, and these a pile of these bright yellow crispy pancakes, and um, and vibrant pickles and. And we used to have this every now and again. We we're just looking at this, and it just looked like such a picture. But it was it was amazing. And 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 we just said, why don't we try? Why don't we try doing this? We 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 felt like it was something that um, it was a dish lots of people love, um, but yet you don't really see it too much. I mean, there the, there are restaurants, but the, nowhere that really celebrates it. And um, so. That happened, and I actually think that happened before Fred's opened because I was I was signed up to um, be with Fred's a, a year or two before before it ended up opening. These things always get pushed back, but um, so we had that in the works. And Tanya was unemployed, and I carried on working with Merivale, Merivale sorry. Um, and Tanya started working at home uh, full time on preparing us to launch this market stall and, and working on things like the recipe for the batter, which I have to give complete credit to her and her mum, like a lot of things um, actually in, uh, involved in, in Bensel Bar. Um, the, um, she, she, she worked tirelessly. It probably took her about six months to, to work on the, on, the, on the batter recipe uh, for, the, for the pancakes. Because, um, I mean, there's lots of people, people use lots of, lots of methods the the 
the packaged rice flour, people use beer, people use sparkling water, people use just normal water, um, mung beans or, or you know, it, that, that, that go in there. And, um, and, and, and she figured out a way that, um, cause we, we, we make our, we kind of, well, kind of make our own rice, fl- our own rice flour for the, for the pancakes where we, um, she, she saw some Australian, uh, long grain rice and uh, and we soak that in water and then we 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 blend that up and with 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 the rest of the ingredients and and the difference in terms of the the crispness in the in the final product is is incomparable it's it's, it's great um and we still use the, exactly the same recipe that she figured out all all those years ago um yeah and and it kind of kind of went from there we we we, st- we started um by the time we uh, got our first spot at the market, which was the Paddington Markets, which is on the Saturday. Um, and we stayed there for the entire time of, uh, of us doing markets. Um, I was probably uh, maybe eight or, or nine months into after Fred's had opened. So we were in a really, I was, I was so busy at work already in, in, in our job. Um, and we, uh, um, and at this point, it was it was completely it was a side hustle for us. We we, we used to um, do all the all the preparation from our one bedroom apartment. We'd moved to moved to Paddington at this time. Um, Tanya's mum would come up the day before <laughs> from she lives in Wollongong, um, and she would she would stay over at ours. And while I was doing a double shift on Friday, they would be at home preparing uh, everything for the next day. I would get home at about one in the morning. And then um, we'd wake up. I, I think it was four o'clock. We used to wake up and and hire a go-get van and 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 bring everything down at the van. Go go and set up at Paddington Markets and um, and then work there for the next uh, next four or five hours and pack the whole thing down, which was the hardest thing. And drive back, drop it all off. I'd have a quick shower and then run to the restaurant and and do dinner service on a Saturday night at, at Fred's. It was, uh, and we kept that up for, I don't know, about three months or or, or so. It, it, I don't know if it was even that, maybe maybe two months, and then it, it got to a stage where it was it was all just it was all just too much, and and we were we were getting busier where we were because we were quite unique at the mar- at that market. There was a lot of sort of the market staples there the bacon egg rolls the goslemi and and um there was an amazing egyptian stall actually and 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 a good laxa stall and and we we just um uh, the locals took took a real liking to us and we'd we'd, we'd get huge queues and it would just be me cooking on these camping wok burners and people could come around and have a look uh while i was cooking um and then we got we got a bit more interest from other markets and um so we uh i to i to i to um i to uh finish my job at fred's and and start start on the markets full time uh for a bit uh which was exciting yeah um especially um you know do, it, it, it it was an exciting time exhausting um but but amazing it was uh it would like i said before it was, it we'd have to do all the preparation in our in our one bedroom apartment we started off and then we had to rent all these we ended up i think we ended up with three fridges in there and 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 
God knows whatever else. We were renting all these. <laughs> it like it's, it, we got inspected by the council. Um, the uh, and um, it was uh, and and then the whole thing just a, a, every time of of, of the markets is it, it, it setting up and then closing down and taking everything back home and having to do all the washing up at home. We'd often do it with a couple bottles of wine or, or so. Um, and um, yeah, and it, we, we carried on again. I don't even think we did it for that long. We, it, it was probably about four months maybe. Um, and then we, we got these guys that approached us from the, the cannery, uh, the cannery um, in Rosebury. And um, I think it's the manager at the time and, and, and someone else. They, 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 they visited us at um, uh, Moor Park Farmers Markets, which we used to do on Wednesdays, um, and said, we've got this small space available, um, which was a cafe. So the, the, the fit out was pretty much there. There was already, um, there was already a call room and um, that that you know that that they'd spent all the money on it, but then unfortunately, as as it happens quite often, um, they uh, their business didn't work and they had to move on. Um, and we we managed to negotiate uh, a fair rent or what we thought was it well it was a fair rent and 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 we signed um, again going by just trying to keep it as low risk as possible. We did we just signed a. Um, a six-month lease, pop-up lease, um, and uh, spent as little money as we could, um, and we were open within two weeks and and selling food. Um, so yeah, it, it, we we we've been unbelievably lucky looking back on it all. It's, it's it, I feel so proud for for starting a business from you know from the grassroots. Um, from right from the from a market stall spending you know i mean we we we've definitely had luck on our side but we we've had to make important decisions along the way and and um and and things have fallen in place for us um in 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 like it could it could it could have gone horribly wrong but it's it's the the, the uh it's uh, and and from there it's the business has just grown organically ever since and and um yeah it's uh, it's it, it's been a dream start for us a little earlier you mentioned that you get whole pigs in and you know pork is vital to vietnamese cuisine can you can you tell us how important it is to your menu and how you break up the pig to use in the various uh, dishes that you offer well my um our pork farm is uh Frank and Anne Marie at Saluka Park in the Southern Highlands. They, um, I felt like I struck gold when I found them. Um, they're brilliant. I uh, well, I found them actually first through the eggs because we we use their eggs as well uh, for lots of different things. Um, and then um, when I when I found out that um, they sell their pigs as well whole. Um, the it is something that I. I look back on it's for, again from the time at St John. It's just you'd you'd see that we we would always buy. It's a different story in in England because um, it's a lot smaller. You can buy direct from a lot of the farmers, and um, 
and you'd see you'd you'd see the farmers walking into the restaurant often with customers in there with 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 a pig over their shoulder or or, or a goat over their shoulder and walk in and deliver it into the kitchen and i used to um I used to just love it. I used to find it so exciting when 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 you 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 get to you get to speak to the farmers. It was often the farmers that would be delivering it, and um, you get to talk to them. You'd find out more about, it and you'd also get this beautiful animal that's coming in, and and then you have to figure out what to do with this and what to use first. And and I still have that excitement now when Frank comes in and he's got the pig over his shoulder. Um, plunks it down on the bench and and then sort of you know i it's it's my it's my it's my job and i i definitely i see it as a as a, as a responsibility to um to use like you know pay respect to the animal you can see um you, you i mean by buying the whole animal you can you really have more of a connection with you you are using it's not like just opening a backpack bag with a with a fillet of beef or 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 a cut of cut of meat in a in a polystyrene tray or something you can you can really see where it came from um and then you, you just feel like you have a duty to to pay as much respect to that animal as possible so when, when it does come in i i, I sort of there's parts that need using first like the offal and there are parts that can that can be i cut up and i mean i'm, I'm not the best butcher in the world but I mean, I can get by and I can I can joint the animals into the joints and some of it I'll leave on the bone and age it. Some of it will get dunked into a big brining bucket and then and then stay in there for, for a week or two. Um, and then that helps so much to sort of allow you the time in a small restaurant like mine to, to, to get through get through the, the whole animal. Um, it was Fergus. Fergus used to. I don't know if he said it in in, in the nose tale or whether he used to. It was one of those things that you hear in the kitchens that Fergus would say. Um, but he he always used to say that when the sort of you know the the farmer brings the brings the whole animal and the the chef receives it and so he 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 butchers the animal. He he decides what needs to get used first and he'll he'll cook it. He serve it. The the, the chef develops a relationship with the animal and and in turn treats it with more respect and 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 in and, and really takes their time and and ensures that they're serving the the you know the um cooks it the way it should and and uh, and and yeah and I, I i think often the case when the the chef doesn't have the connection with where the where the meat came from or 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 you know that it is it, it is actually from from a whole animal um chefs can often rush through service or rush through jobs and and mistreat things and and um not really apply the care that that should be to what you're cooking and um yeah what's some of the star dishes on your menu uh, utilizing pork that uh, that you love cooking one is the crispy pork trotter. Um, it's not been on the it's not been on the menu for uh, for a few months now. But um, the uh, the crispy crispy pork trotter. The um, so I get my butcher to to cut um, cut the butcher uh, cut the cut the trotter sorry into two two chunks, 
uh, like cuts down uh, through the wrist and um, I will I'll braise that in in a rich porky stock and then let that dry out in the fridge on a rack for for a day or two um, and then we we just chuck it in the fryer and it, it pops um, the skin it's already so tender all the tendons inside are broken down and 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 um, and the skin just pops and bubbles up and um, and then I'll, I'll put that in a bowl and then at this stage it's just a, it's a carrier for any sauce Re recently we were serving it with a fermented shrimp sauce but most recently we've been serving it with a salt and vinegar butter um, and just toss it in that with some uh, finely finely chopped spring onion and uh, and serve with a wedge of lemon and then you can eat it like a chicken wing it's 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 delicious um, <laughs> yeah. um it's definitely one of my favorite because quite often you get border dishes but that that one um i uh i i love it so that, that will come back very soon for sure and another one which has been on the it's been one of the mainstays of the um the menu at Bantel Bar since we since we opened, um, and I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Is is the pighead nuggets, uh, shiso and fish sauce? Uh, the um, that um, that is in essence, it's just me making a huge brawn, um, which is pighead pighead terrine. Um, I I'll get the get the pig pig heads in and again braise those in in the same pork stock until they're tender and take the take the meat off the bones and chop it all up um set it in a tray with some of the some of the cooking liquor which i've which i've reduced down um so it just sets in there and then and then put it in the fridge and um and the next day we'll, we'll pop it out and cut it into chunks uh breadcrumb it and deep fry so it's, it's they're just sticky porky um nuggets and 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 we we wrap those in in shiso leaves with some pickled uh pickled red onion and dip it in a salty tangy slightly spicy fish sauce and and yeah it's a delicious little snack yeah you just need a beer or something and then yeah, yeah. um so they're two dishes uh that are from, from the menu for sure well mate the pig head nuggets and the fried trotters good lord um sound absolutely incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah some, sometimes as well with with the with the pig head nuggets as well I'll, I'll just cut them a little bit bigger so they're they're like a, a rectangle slab and uh breadcrumb that and then uh put that in a banh mi and then that's also um that's also really good as well. It's been a bit of a heart stopper, but it's, it's delicious. Wow. After that comment too, I'm officially lost for words. That's extraordinary. Um, I <laughs> might have to, I might have to leg it to your restaurant as soon as possible. Um, ben, it's been amazing to chat today and, and tell us your story. Um, it's been, it's been bloody amazing. Um, hope to talk to you again soon. Cheers. Well, thanks very much for having me. This is the crackling a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.